Chapter Ten of Against the Grain. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Martin Giessen. Against the Grain by Joris Karl Wiesmans. Translated by John Howard. Chapter Ten. During the course of this malady which attacks impoverished races, sudden calms succeed an attack. Strangely enough, Des Essaintes awoke one morning recovered. No longer was he tormented by the throbbing of his neck or by his racking cough. Instead, he had an ineffable sensation of contentment, a lightness of mind, in which thought was sparklingly clear, turning from a turbid, opaque green colour to a liquid iridescence, magical with tender rainbow tints. This lasted several days. Then hallucinations of odour suddenly appeared. His room was aromatic with the fragrance of frangipane. He tried to ascertain if a bottle were not uncorked. No, not a bottle was to be found in the room, and he passed into his study and thence to the kitchen. Still the odour persisted. Des Essaintes rang for his servant and asked if he smelled anything. The domestic sniffed the air and declared he could not detect any perfume. There was no doubt about it. His nervous attacks had returned again, under the appearance of a new illusion of the senses. Fatigued by the tenacity of this imaginary aroma, he resolved to steep himself in real perfumes, hoping that this homeopathic treatment would cure him or would at least drown the persistent odour. He betook himself to his dressing-room. There, near an old baptistery which he used as a wash-basin, under a long mirror of forged iron, which, like the edge of a well silvered by the moon, confined the green dull surface of the mirror, were bottles of every conceivable size and form placed on ivory shelves. He set them on the table and divided them into two series, one of the simple perfumes, pure extracts or spirits, the other of compound perfumes designated under the generic term of bouquets. He sank into an easy chair and meditated. He had long been skilled in the science of smell. He believed that this sense could give one delights equal to those of hearing and sight, each sense being susceptible, if naturally keen and if properly cultivated, to new impressions which it could intensify, coordinate, and compose into that unity which constitutes a creative work and it was not more abnormal and unnatural that an art should be called into existence by disengaging odours 
than that another art should be evoked by detaching sound-waves or by striking the eye with diversely coloured rays but if no person could discern without intuition developed by study a painting by a master from a daub a melody of beethoven from one by clapisson no more could any one at first without preliminary initiation help confusing a bouquet invented by a sincere artist with a potpourri made by some manufacturer to be sold in groceries and bazaars in this art the branch devoted to achieving certain effects by artificial methods particularly delighted him perfumes in fact rarely come from the flowers whose names they bear the artist who dared to borrow nature's elements would only produce a bastard work which would have neither authenticity nor style inasmuch as the essence obtained by the distillation of flowers would bear but a distant and vulgar relation to the odour of the living flower wafting its fragrance into the air thus with the exception of the inimitable jasmine which it is impossible to counterfeit all flowers are perfectly represented by the blend of aromatic spirits stealing the very personality of the model and to it adding that nuance the more that heady scent that rare touch which entitled a thing to be called a work of art to resume in the science of perfumery the artist develops the natural odour of the flowers working over his subject like a jeweller refining the lustre of a gem and making it precious little by little the arcana of this art most neglected of all was revealed to des Esseintes, who could now read this language as diversified and insinuating as that of literature this style with its unexpected concision under its vague flowing appearance to achieve this end he had first been compelled to master the grammar and understand the syntax of odours learning the secret of the rules that regulate them and once familiarized with the dialect he compared the works of the masters of the atkinsons and lubins the chardins and violets the legrands and pièces then he separated the construction of their phrases weighed the value of their words and the arrangement of their periods later on in this idiom of fluids experience was able to support theories too often incomplete and banal classic perfumery in fact was scarcely diversified almost colourless and uniformly issuing from the mould cast by the ancient chemists it was in its dotage confined to its old alembics when the romantic period was born and had modified the old style rejuvenating it making it more supple and malleable step by step its history followed that of our language the perfumed louis xiii style 
composed of elements highly prized at that time of iris powder musk chive and myrtle water already designated under the name of water of the angels was hardly sufficient to express the cavalier graces the rather crude tones of the period which certain sonnets of saint amand have preserved for us later with myrrh and olibanum the mystic odours austere and powerful the pompous gesture of the great period the redundant artifices of oratorial art the full sustained harmonious style of bossuet and the masters of the pulpit were almost possible still later the sophisticated rather bored graces of french society under louis XV more easily found their interpretation in the almond which in a manner summed up this epoch then after the ennui and jadedness of the first empire which misused eau de cologne and rosemary perfumery rushed in the wake of victor hugo and gautier towards the levant it created oriental combinations vivid eastern nosegays discovered new intonations antitheses which until then had been unattempted selected and made use of antique nuances which it complicated refined and assorted it resolutely rejected that voluntary decrepitude to which it had been reduced by the malesherbes the boileaux the andrieuses and the baour lormians wretched distillers of their own poems but this language had not remained stationary since the period of eighteen thirty it had continued to evolve and patterning itself on the progress of the century had advanced parallel with the other arts it too had yielded to the desires of amateurs and artists receiving its inspiration from the chinese and japanese conceiving fragrant albums imitating the takeoka bouquets of flowers obtaining the odour of rondelicia from the blend of lavender and clove the peculiar aroma of chinese ink from the marriage of patchouli and camphor the emanation of japanese hovenia by compounds of citron clove and neroli des esaintes studied and analysed the essences of these fluids experimenting to corroborate their texts he took pleasure in playing the role of a psychologist for his personal satisfaction in taking apart and reassembling the machinery of a work in separating the pieces forming the structure of a compound exhalation and his sense of smell had thereby attained a sureness that was all but perfect just as a wine merchant has only to smell a drop of wine to recognize the grape as a hop dealer determines the exact value of hops by sniffing a bag as a chinese trader can immediately tell the origin of the teas he smells 
knowing in what farms of what mountains in what buddhistic convents it was cultivated the very time when its leaves were gathered the state and the degree of torrefaction the effect upon it of its proximity to the plum-tree and other flowers to all those perfumes which change its essence adding to it an unexpected touch and introducing into its dryish flavour a hint of distant fresh flowers just so could des essaintes by inhaling a dash of perfume instantly explain its mixture and the psychology of its blend and could almost give the name of the artist who had composed and given it the personal mark of his individual style naturally he had a collection of all the products used by perfumers he even had the real mecca balm that rare balm cultivated only in certain parts of arabia petraya and under the monopoly of the ruler now seated in his dressing-room in front of his table he thought of creating a new bouquet and he was overcome by that moment of wavering confidence familiar to writers when after months of inaction they prepare for a new work like balzac who was wont to scribble on many sheets of paper so as to put himself in a mood for work des essaintes felt the necessity of steadying his hand by several initial and unimportant experiments desiring to create heliotrope he took down bottles of vanilla and almond and then changed his idea and decided to experiment with sweet peas he groped for a long time unable to effect the proper combinations for orange is dominant in the fragrance of this flower he attempted several combinations and ended in achieving the exact blend by joining tuberose and rose to orange the whole united by a drop of vanilla his hesitation disappeared he felt alert and ready for work now he made some tea by blending cassie with iris then sure of his technique he decided to proceed with a fulminating phrase whose thunderous roar would annihilate the insidious odour of almond still hovering over his room he worked with amber and with tonkin musk marvellously powerful with patchouli the most poignant of vegetable perfumes whose flower in its habitat wafts an odour of mildew try what he would the eighteenth century obsessed him the pannier robes and furbelows appeared before his eyes memories of boucher's venus haunted him recollections of Timidor's romance of the exquisite rosette pursued him furious he rose and to rid himself of the obsession with all his strength he inhaled that pure essence of spikenard so dear to orientals and so repulsive to europeans because of its pronounced odour of valerian 
he was stunned by the violence of the shock as though pounded by hammer-strokes the filigranes of the delicate odour disappeared he profited by the period of respite to escape the dead centuries the antiquated fumes and to enter as he formerly had done less limited or more recent works he had of old loved to lull himself with perfumes he used effects analogous to those of the poets and employed the admirable order of certain pieces of baudelaire such as irreparable and le balcon where the last of the five lines composing the strophe is the echo of the first verse and returns like a refrain to steep the soul in infinite depths of melancholy and languor he strayed into reveries evoked by those aromatic stanzas suddenly brought to his point of departure to the motive of his meditation by the return of the initial theme reappearing at stated intervals in the fragrant orchestration of the poem he actually wished to saunter through an astonishing diversified landscape and he began with a sonorous ample phrase that suddenly opened a long vista of fields for him with his vaporizers he injected an essence formed of ambrosia lavender and sweet peas into this room this formed an essence which when distilled by an artist deserves the name by which it is known extract of wild grass into this he introduced an exact blend of tuberose orange flower and almond and forthwith artificial lilacs sprang into being while the linden trees rustled their thin emanations imitated by extract of london tilia drooping earthward into this decor arranged with a few broad lines receding as far as the eye could reach under his closed lids he introduced a light rain of human and half-feline essences possessing the aroma of petticoats breathing of the powdered painted woman the stephanotis ayapana opoponax champaka sarcanthus and cypress wine to which he added a dash of syringa in order to give to the artificial life of paints which they exhaled a suggestion of natural dewy laughter and pleasures enjoyed in the open air then through a ventilator he permitted these fragrant waves to escape only preserving the field which he renewed compelling it to return in his strophes like a ritornello the women had gradually disappeared now the plain had grown solitary suddenly on the enchanted horizon factories appeared whose tall chimneys flared like bowls of punch the odour of factories and of chemical products now passed with the breeze which was simulated by means of fans 
nature exhaled its sweet effluvia amid this putrescence des Esseintes warmed a pellet of storax and a singular odour at once repugnant and exquisite pervaded the room it partook of the delicious fragrance of jonquil and of the stench of gutta-percha and coal-oil he disinfected his hands inserted his resin in a hermetically sealed box and the factories disappeared then among the revived vapours of the lindens and meadow-grass he threw several drops of new-mown hay and amid this magic sight for the moment despoiled of its lilacs sheaves of hay were piled up introducing a new season and scattering their fine effluence into these summer odours at last when he had sufficiently enjoyed this sight he suddenly scattered the exotic perfumes emptied his vaporizers threw in his concentrated spirits poured his balms and in the exasperated and stifling heat of the room there rose a crazy sublimated nature a paradoxical nature which was neither genuine nor charming reuniting the tropical spices and the peppery breath of chinese sandalwood and jamaica hediosmia with the french odours of jasmine hawthorn and verbena regardless of seasons and climates he forced trees of diverse essences into life and flowers with conflicting fragrances and colours by the clash of these tones he created a general nondescript unexpected strange perfume in which reappeared like an obstinate refrain the decorative phrase of the beginning the odour of the meadows fanned by the lilacs and lindens suddenly a poignant pain seized him he felt as though wimbles were drilling into his temples opening his eyes he found himself in his dressing-room seated in front of his table stupefied he painfully walked across the room to the window which he half opened a puff of wind dispelled the stifling atmosphere which was enveloping him to exercise his limbs he walked up and down gazing at the ceiling where crabs and sea-racks stood out in relief against a background as light in colour as the sands of the seashore a similar decor covered the plinths and bordered the partitions which were covered with japanese sea-green crepe slightly wrinkled imitating a river rippled by the wind in this light current swam a rose petal around which circled a school of tiny fish painted with two strokes of the brush but his eyelids remained heavy he ceased to pace about the short space between the baptistry and the bath he leaned against the window his dizziness ended he carefully stopped up the vials and used the occasion to arrange his cosmetics 
since his arrival at fontenay he had not touched them and now was quite astonished to behold once more this collection formerly visited by so many women the flasks and jars were lying heaped up against each other here a porcelain box contained a marvellous white cream which when applied on the cheeks turns to a tender rose colour under the action of the air to such a true flesh colour that it procures the very illusion of a skin touched with blood there lacquer objects encrusted with mother-of-pearl enclosed japanese gold and athenian green the colour of the cantharis wing gold and green which changed to deep purple when wetted there were jars filled with filbert paste the circis of the harem emulsions of lilies lotions of strawberry water and elders for the complexion and tiny bottles filled with solutions of chinese ink and rose water for the eyes there were tweezers scissors rouge and powder puffs files and beauty patches he handled this collection formerly bought to please a mistress who swooned under the influence of certain aromatics and balms a nervous unbalanced woman who loved to steep the nipples of her breasts in perfumes but who never really experienced a delicious and overwhelming ecstasy save when her head was scraped with a comb or when she could inhale amid caresses the odour of perspiration or the plaster of unfinished houses on rainy days or of dust splashed by huge drops of rain during summer storms he mused over these memories and one afternoon spent at pantin through idleness and curiosity in company with this woman at the home of one of her sisters returned to him stirring in him a forgotten world of old ideas and perfumes while the two women prattled and displayed their gowns he had drawn near the window and had seen through the dusty panes the muddy street sprawling before him and had heard the repeated sounds of galoshes over the puddles of the pavement this scene already far removed came to him suddenly strangely and vividly pantin was there before him animated and throbbing in this greenish and dull mirror into which his unseeing eyes plunged a hallucination transported him far from fontenay besides reflecting the street the mirror brought back thoughts it had once been instrumental in evoking and plunged in reverie he repeated to himself this ingenious sad and comforting composition he had formerly written upon returning to paris yes the season of downpours is come now behold water-spouts vomiting as they rush over the pavements and rubbish marinates in puddles that fill the holes scooped out of the macadam 
under a lowering sky in the damp air the walls of houses have black perspiration and their air-holes are fetid the loathsomeness of existence increases and melancholy overwhelms one the seeds of vileness which each person harbours in his soul sprout the craving for vile debaucheries seizes austere people and base desires grow rampant in the brains of respectable men and yet i warm myself here before a cheerful fire from a basket of blossoming flowers comes the aroma of balsamic benzoin geranium and the hall-flowered bent grass which permeates the room in the very month of november at pantin in the rue de paris springtime persists here in my solitude i laugh at the fears of families which to shun the approaching cold weather escape on every steamer to cannes and to other winter resorts inclement nature does nothing to contribute to this extraordinary phenomenon it must be said that his artificial season at pantin is the result of man's ingenuity in fact these flowers are made of taffeta and are mounted on wire the springtime odour filters through the window joints exhaled from the neighbouring factories from the perfumeries of pinot and st james for the workmen exhausted by the hard labours of the plants for the young employees who too often are fathers the illusion of a little healthy air is possible thanks to these manufacturers so from this fabulous subterfuge of a country can an intelligent cure arise the consumptive men about town who are sent to the south die their end due to the change in their habits and to the nostalgia for the parisian excesses which destroyed them here under an artificial climate libertine memories will reappear the languishing feminine emanations evaporated by the factories instead of the deadly ennui of provincial life the doctor can thus platonically substitute for his patient the atmosphere of the parisian women and of boudoirs most often all that is necessary to effect the cure is for the subject to have a somewhat fertile imagination since nowadays nothing genuine exists since the wine one drinks and the liberty one boldly proclaims are laughable and a sham since it really needs a healthy dose of good will to believe that the governing classes are respectable and that the lower classes are worthy of being assisted or pitied it seems to me concluded des Esseintes, to be neither ridiculous nor senseless to ask of my fellow-men a quantity of illusion barely equivalent to what they spend daily in idiotic ends 
so as to be able to convince themselves that the town of Pantin is an artificial Nice or a Menton. But all this does not prevent me from seeing, he said, forced by weakness from his meditations, that I must be careful to mistrust these delicious and abominable practices which may ruin my constitution. He sighed. Well, well, more pleasures to moderate, more precautions to be taken. And he passed into his study, hoping the more easily to escape the spell of these perfumes. He opened the window wide, glad to be able to breathe the air, but it suddenly seemed to him that the breeze brought in a vague tide of bergamot with which jasmine and rose-water were blent. Agitated, he asked himself whether he was not really under the yoke of one of those possessions exercised in the Middle Ages. The odour changed and was transformed, but it persisted. A faint sense of tincture of tolu, of balm of Peru and of saffron, united by several drams of amber and musk, now issued from the sleeping village, and suddenly the metamorphosis was effected. These scattered elements were blent, and once more the frangipane spread from the valley of Fontenay as far as the fort, assailing his exhausted nostrils, once more shattering his helpless nerves, and throwing him into such a prostration that he fell unconscious on the window-sill. End of chapter 10 Recording by Martin Geeson in Hazelmere, Surrey